Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. Hello, I'm your host, Effie Pilarino, and I'm excited today because I'm going to take you on a wonderful journey and everybody has to listen today. Those that believe in what Rubini and Taleb are claiming and those that are big fans of Antonopoulos and Butoria, everybody in between and at these two extremes needs to listen to us and we are going to try and uh, offer you a more objective view of what is going on in the world in this part of uh, the, the innovation space. And I'd like to welcome on this note, Professor uh, Alexander Lipton. Uh, welcome, Alexander. Thank you. Thank you, Effie. It's a pleasure of mine. Uh, for, for our audience, let me say a bit about the many things that you're involved in. Uh, from an academic professor, uh, perspective, you're a professor at the Hebrew University. You're also involved uh, at MIT with the innovative MIT Connection Fellow Program that hopefully you can tell us more about it and um, you are the co-founder of SILA, SILA Money, and you're an advisor to many other blockchain uh, projects like uh, Zilliqa, Clearmatics, and, and so on. And um, we have lots to talk about. You are co-author of two uh, upcoming books. One, I believe, is hitting the market just as we speak at month end and the other is due in uh, October. So we're delighted. People that wear many hats are, are delightful uh, because they see the world as it is, which is, it's gray, it's colorful, it's, it's like a rainbow. So uh, Alexander, I, I love a lot of your writings because you, you reference Greek history and you make analogies um, in, in when you, you speak about Bitcoin and Aphrodite and, and, and all sorts of other analogies, you also connect history, the history of, of money. Uh, I was reading one of your recent writings and, and you spoke about um, uh, what you call the object-based money versus the record based money. So where would you like to start? You know, you have a quantitative finance background. Um, we have similar paths in, in that sense. And, and I grew up with a generation that was focused on econometrics and Monte Carlo simulations. And I used chaos theory in my thesis. But where are we today? What innovation are you seeing? Uh, well, Effie, first of all, thank you very much for having me. Your program is uh, deservingly well known around the world for being a 
delight to listen. So I hope this uh, event would be also pleasant for our listeners. So well, the main innovations right now, it seems to me, uh, are happening um, in um, the monetary sphere in the way of uh, defining new type of uh, uh, money, if you wish, right? So that's on the one side. The other very big development, which is still in its, I wouldn't say necessarily infancy, but it's still early stages of its development, uh, is uh, transition from uh, analog version of money to digital version of money in the form of uh, either cryptocurrencies directly or central bank uh, digital coins, which is a very major topic or in the form of stable coins. That's where I see uh, major development uh, in, in, in this more rails level, so to speak. And then um, in more quantitative finance, um, asset management uh, um, area, so to speak, I would say that applications of machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence uh, certainly are making important strides, so to speak. Uh, to, my, to, to, to my disappointment, I have to say uh, that quantitative finance per se, option pricing, will start developing actively are, I don't think, uh, um, currently the very central part of the overall quantitative finance development. But uh, this might change. But uh, for the time being, I would say emergence uh, of the new monetary paradigm on the one hand and uh, mm, the ability to absorb and process enormous uh, amounts of data uh, is uh, the other big development. So in the book, in the, your first, the one that's coming up first in the end of July, um, that is uh, titled Blockchain and Distributed Ledgers, Mathematics, Technology and Economics. What is really uh, the mission there? What is the message and what are you covering in this book? Okay. Well, that's, um, you know, first of all, I, I wrote it uh, together with a colleague of mine, Adrian Tricani, who is the CEO of Metaco, a well-known uh, Swiss crypto uh, currency security firm based in Lausanne. So. And um, so what we wanted to do is to present an unbiased and unvarnished uh, description of the landscape, the way we see it as well as uh, equip the reader with tools which will allow her or him to actually understand uh, how things operate and potentially with a little additional effort be able to contribute to the development of the field. So in other words, uh, both of us were extremely irritated by you know, all kind of papers uh, entitled, uh, uh, you know, everything you need to know about cryptocurrency without all this cryptographic nonsense, or, you know, like, uh, uh, let's throw away mathematics, uh, which is uh, anyway, incomprehensible and unnecessary and go to the jugular. That's exactly what we didn't want to do. So we provide uh, an objective, well, what we think is an objective view and tools 
to contribute, to understand and to contribute. At the same time, I would not necessarily say that the book requires enormous mathematical sophistication. We develop everything from the ground up. And uh, by the end of the book, uh, uh, you know, people should really become uh, well-versed, intelligent citizens of this uh, and participants in this major project. That's, that's the objective, if you wish. I mean, uh, it, uh, yesterday I had a conversation on, on LinkedIn around uh, <laughs> the, the usual articles that have become a daily occurrence these days about China, uh, the, the digital one and all these, you know, geopolitical controversies. And I was saying that it's clear that all students of international relations should be well versed in these future technologies because you have to understand them. They are shaping up uh, the new world that we are living in. So even if you are coming from that angle of the international relations, you have to understand blockchain. That, very true. I could not help but agree with you entirely. And in fact, it's interesting enough, I was also <laughs> having a conversation with a very well-known journalist uh, uh, on that very topic, the geopolitical implication of stable coins and developments in China and uh, things of that nature. So these developments cannot be underestimated because... Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, cannot be overestimated. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm making the same <laughs> mistake yeah. as one of our presidents, right? So no, they cannot be overestimated. So in a sense that um, one of the major tools in the US quiver is uh, essentially control of SWIFT or at least the ability to influence its operation on a very large scale. And as such, uh, you know, impose sanctions and things like that. You know, uh, if uh, Chinese, uh, the Chinese yuan uh, becomes a viable currency which can operate outside of Chinese uh, borders, then it is impossible to envision a new world where trade uh, in some areas of the world will be done, uh, you know, outside of uh, uh, U.S. control, not in the U.S. dollars, but uh, in well, Chinese yuan or it is possible that some uh, new types of uh, payment like digital trade coins something which we have been very interested in at mit things like that um can become dominant uh, for at least you know for a certain trade uh, relationship and then of course uh, the you know the geopolitics will 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 change quite dramatically change what are what are the digital train coins concept that that you refer to and that you're thinking at at MIT are these set can we imagine them as settlement coins like the JP Morgan coin or or what what uh, are differentiating it is uh, well it's an excellent question so for for several years now we have been advocating uh, you know uh, coins which are backed by real assets uh, and you know, we had uh, and continue to have, you know, several objectives. One, to help uh, smaller trading nations to somehow present uh, their goods and be part of the 
international exchange on a more equal footing and the other more general to sort of find a counterbalance for inflation and what we view somewhat arbitrarily moves by central banks. One of my peeve ideas uh, is that we are observing a strange evolution of banking with central banks becoming more and more fractional reserve banks in the operation, whilst the commercial banks, Volans, Nolans, becoming more and more narrow banks. So it's, in a sense, what we see is a somewhat weak demands for, for, for loans, or at least, you know, from those parties who possess collateral, which is a very important bit of the equation, and then um, central banks stepping into the breach and starting to acquire assets uh, right, left, and center, which can be, uh, you know, proven by just looking at the explosive growth of uh, asset and, you know, balance sheet of uh, the Fed since uh, before the global financial crisis of 2008-2009, right? So it's one side of that. The other side is the excessive growth of uh, reserves, uh, which are non-mandatory reserves, which also grew up a lot, you know, by trillions of dollars. And uh, all this is moving the entire financial system in a certain, in my mind, less than desirable path. I am very afraid of inflation, to be perfectly honest. And we can see here in the United States, uh, inflation raging um, unabated. And uh, that's why we were thinking that reviving, using this new blockchain technology, reviving this old British economist ideas of tabular currencies, currencies and things like that, you know, like uh, going back to, you know, to the 19th century, to Maynard, John Maynard Keynes in the 20th century, to Caldor, you know, all these things together. Uh, we thought that uh, blockchain gives them a new lease of life and trying something like that might be very, very beneficial. So we wrote about it, several papers, some uh, popular, uh, some uh, technical. Uh, so one of our earliest uh, exploits in this direction was the cover article uh, in Scientific American of all places. Uh, they had a special issue in 2018 uh, called the future of money. So that was our contribution. But uh, as you mentioned, there are two books which we're talking about. So the second book uh, is essentially dedicated to this. It's called Building the New Economy and, um, you know, Data as Capital. And that's Sandy Pentland, uh, Thomas Carr, John and I wrote. And these are kind of ideas we have. Hmm? So, so the, 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 the second book, the Data as Capital in Building uh, the New Economy, uh, and of course, I can only imagine that you know the banking system is is a small part of all this, uh, and it's, it would be very narrow if you only looked at the financial system for 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 this purpose. What how how does this book differ from uh, the the one that's coming out in July? Is it mathematically focused? Does it take an economic uh, uh, angle? Uh, it takes a holistic approach to, as you say, it does, uh, you know, the first book by and large is directed toward the financial system, toward the mathematics of 
um, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies towards the application. So we wrote a couple of chapters about applications, including central bank digital currencies, including applications of blockchain in uh, supply chain management and many other things. Uh, the, the second book was MIT is more holistic and more broad. It covers uh, all kind of uh, applications and all kind of um, aspects of uh, blockchain. So as the name suggests, uh, the privacy of data, the usage of data in, uh, um, you know, encrypted form, an attempt to build a more meaningful uh, world system as a whole, so to speak, right? So at MIT, people are supposed to think about things like that. Not what's going to happen in the 21st century, but what's going to happen in the 22nd century, so to speak. But anyway, so no, it's it's closer to home, right? So it's more like a, a blueprint for the next uh, 20 years or so. And, you know, the, we the, there are se se several additional contributor contributors to the book, and so they present all kinds of views on... Uh, you know, data usage, uh, how to avoid uh, being uh, subsumed into this uh, social media maelstrom, which none of us uh, likes, and uh, things which can change our life, not only at the financial level, but at the philosophical level, if you wish. So I imagine that, uh, you know, the, the, the big ideas around uh, decentralization and degree of decentralization in the way we organize as an economy, yeah. economy in, in the broad sense, not in the narrow financial Precise. sense. Precisely. That's exactly right. Uh, 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 that, that, that is uh, excellent. And, and uh, I cannot not uh, dive a bit into uh, your paper that goes hand in hand with Taleb's uh, paper in uh, the Quantitative Journal of Finance. Uh, right. uh, for, for our audience that doesn't know, uh, um, Nassim Taleb put out a, a paper titled the Bitcoin Currencies and Fragility and um, presents I think three main points uh, bashing, if you want, uh, especially a Bitcoin. Um, and and um, from what I understand, your paper, Alexander, and, and I read it, is really as human as it can get, trying to be objective to present the pros and cons of, of what exists and where we are at in this uh, tech uh, development, because of course that can can change. So yeah. do you yeah, want you're to talk very about kind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, uh, if you, you know, you're very kind. I mean, you know, like I know Nassim for a very long time. I mean, he's a, you know, very original thinker and all that. Uh, objective, probably, he is not quite, right? So he uh, prefers a partisan approach to things, which is, you know, perfectly legitimate. But uh, I, I, I like to look at it in a way which I think, and, you know, you kindly mentioned as well, is, is objective, right? So, well, 
well, as objective as I can possibly be, right? So it, it, it does not mean that it is not biased. It might very well be biased. But, um, but uh, what, what I think is going on is that uh, uh, the main role of Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever he, she, or there might be, uh, was uh, akin to the um, transformative role of uh, reformers of the church uh, like uh, Luther, Calvin, and others. In essence, until uh, Nakamoto came to the scene, uh, people and the money were separated by bankers in the sense that uh, other than exchanging cash, you and I would not be able to engage in any financial transaction uh, without the help of a banker. So the same way as uh, before the Reformation in the Catholic Church, uh, the um, Bible was written in Latin, Latin, and so people were essentially not able to communicate uh, with God directly by through the offices of a priest right so because just because you know vast majority of the people well majority of the people was illiterate to start with but then the, those who were literate uh, in general were writing in vernacular and so latin was not really readily available that's by the way it's not the case in the orthodox church right where people can read the um, you know, holy books directly or in Judaism as well. But in Catholic Church, it was like that. And so, uh, but this is just an, uh, you know, um, historical analogy, nothing more than that. But what it is uh, that Nakamoto in principle envisioned a system where there is a possibility of direct exchange of value, right? So that was a really a revolutionary step. Whether or not the actual system which he did, or whatever, what, what they designed, is a good one, it's anybody's guess, right? So it has uh, a, a variety of uh, advantages, but it has many disadvantages. In my mind, uh, one of the biggest is that it is not directly related uh, to the real economy and hence uh, Bitcoin per se. Uh, I would say at the risk of, uh, you know, causing people to to attack me, but in my mind, Bitcoin doesn't have any value per se, but it does not mean that its price is zero. As, as the way I see it is the fact that it doesn't have any value implies that it can have any price, right? So it's, it's, a, different, it's a different consequence of this thing. So uh, Taleb thinks that it has no value and hence it, the value is zero. That's not correct because in my mind, because you know the variation of price can be quite wide and uh, Mm, I would say that that's one one aspect. So this high volatility is 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 uh, you know preventing it from being used uh, you know um, directly. He, he's that's basing it on the argument that uh, and uh, something that doesn't earn uh, doesn't have earnings, dividends, or whatever uh, should have that. But that that to me is, is uh, too basic. I, I think so too. I, I think it's it's it, it's not a deep enough argument and, uh, um, you know, and uh, uh, we have many assets uh, which are like that, including gold and, uh, and for that matter, uh, why do we need to go far, you know, Amazon stock doesn't pay any dividend, right? So it's basically uh, probably should be characterized, uh, uh, you know, in the same uh, vein, right? But it seems like uh, 
the kind of the majority owner of the stock uh, is happily riding this wave and in fact is right now in space if i understand correctly or maybe has landed already so it seems to be working quite well without dividend for some people but so, alexander uh, what about yeah. uh, talib's argument about uh, when the miners finish their job so to speak uh, right and that is a, that is a much more relevant argument and in fact i make a very same argument in my paper so what i wrote is that my first impression when i read the uh, nakamoto's white paper was that it's uh, akin to the schlitten plan uh, mm -hmm. which was the german uh, general's uh, concussion of how germany can win a two-front war you know it was prepared before the first world war Germany seem to, you know, German generals seem to be kind of having a penchant for this type of activity, you know, times and again they come up with all these plans. Some of them work, thankfully most of them don't. So this one didn't work in the sense that there was a not enough attention to detail, right? So he basically uh, assumed that there would be enough force to, um, to circumvent, uh, you know, Paris uh, from the right uh, flank and all the type of thing, but he knew full well that even with all the reserves called by and creating the secondary divisions out of reserve troops, it would still be not enough troops. And so essentially he just stopped there and said somehow it will work and it didn't. So the same problem is indeed with Nakamoto's plan. When uh, you know the re amount of rewards per block uh, goes down, it's already like, as we know, six and a quarter, uh, starting with 50, right? And eventually it would be whatever, three and one eight, et, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then, of course, the maintenance of the, the, maintenance of the uh, integrity of the Bitcoin protocol uh, would be a, a major issue. I, I, in, in this rega regard, he and I, uh, completely in agreement. I'm worried about it. Well, worried, you know, um, I'm not that worried, but <laughs> because, you know, different yeah. people have different uh, worries in life, but, uh, you know, but it certainly is something to think about. The, some people are really naive, I have to say. Some people argue that when this mining will stop, so will the consumption of energy. Nothing could be further from so in reality, when mining, uh, if uh, the system continued to exist and the mining were to stop, then there would be tremendous transaction costs which should compensate miners uh, for their uh, inability to get uh, block rewards. And then, you know, the competition for those uh, crumbles uh, would become really fierce. If you remember uh, when um, Henry Kissinger, the former Secretary of State, was asked why academic uh, fights are so vicious, uh, he said that this is because the stakes are so low. And, uh, you know, I had a chance to be a full tenured professor at an American university sitting on the hiring committee and so on. Yeah, I can confirm fights can be quite vicious, right? That's true. Anyway, so. Um, well, let, 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 let me add to that, because right. I actually went, after having my math degree, I went for a PhD in finance, and, and right. all along I thought I was going to have an academic career, which I didn't, and one reason was that I saw these vicious fights, and I was like, you know, I, I, I can't do this, uh, and then, you know, I went to Wall Street, 
and and I saw some other things there. That yes, is yeah, a whole I, other I, topic. <laughs> yes, I, I had the chance to see vicious fights on Wall Street as well. I mean, my fair share. I mean, it seems to be part of the human, uh, part of, for the course of uh, you know competitive human. Uh, endeavor, right? So be it academic, which is extremely competitive, be it Wall Street, which by definition is competitive. But anyway, so this, the end game, the end spiel is certainly not thought through, at least, you know, not uh, the way I can see from the white paper itself and so on and so forth. So in my mind, I would say this Bitcoin protocol, you know, concentrated our minds on what is possible. Whether this itself would be the last word, I doubt it very much. So in my paper, I argue that it's, well, in my mind, it's more akin to vinyl discs, uh, which were kind of the initial way of recording human voice and all this, his master's voice and, you know, all this thing, gramophones. And then it moved, uh, you know, from analog to digital to even more digital, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so essentially uh, there are still people who enjoy having, you know, vinyl collections and it's a viable source of value for, but, you know, it's, it's a niche uh, undertaking. So from that perspective, I think that Bitcoin is super important, um, you know, a product of a genius mind or minds, but uh, I think uh, it will be, replaced by something else what it might be it's anybody's guess of course ethereum is promising in a sense that okay first of all it solves this issue which uh, taleb is alluding to because in principle uh, ethereum can bring you uh, you know some uh, uh, dividends especially if they move away from proof of work towards proof of stake. But of course, if they were to do this, it would be less revolutionary, right? So it would be just, you know, the same as an ordinary, you know, public company where say Warren Buffett has, you know, a certain <laughs> say and an ordinary uh, shareholder has a very little say, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, I, I can confirm this because there are a couple of companies where he and I both have holdings but somehow kind of nobody comes to me to, 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 to ask uh, what I think needs to be done, right? So, but, you know, at, at least, you know, they, they can basically generate some income out of Ethereum and that sort of thing. So having said that, at the moment, the way Ethereum is, it's a self-defeating protocol because the more expensive Ethereum becomes, the least uh, suitable it is for actually serving its stated purpose as uh, I view Ethereum as a consensus as a server provider, and we dedicate a lot of time to that in our book with Tricani. And um, but but as I said, it's it's kind of contradic contradictions are built inside the protocol. Even the simple transfer of value from one address to the other in Ethereum can cost you like hundreds of dollars. And I'm not even talking about complicated smart contracts, which can cost you a great deal of money. And then if you make a mistake of allocating insufficient gas uh, to the project, then it would go back to square one, but gas would be all burned. And I, 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 I anecdotally know people who spend uh, literally thousands of dollars on unsuccessful uh, Ethereum transactions. transactions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's still not a perfect 
it's still not a perfect uh, protocol, even though, of course, it's for it's given the first prize for sheer ambition, so to speak. But yeah. but uh, at the same time as for marketing chutzpah, because you know, like when I was a coder, I would write a subroutine. If you if I write something in Ethereum, it would be a smart contract. So compare the two, right? So wh whom do you want to be, a writer of uh, subroutines or a writer of smart contracts, right? So that sort of thing. Or that the fact that this is a Ethereum virtual distributed computer and so on and so forth. I used to do, um, you know, really heavy lifting calculations for the U.S. government when I was a consultant at Los Alamos. Whatever it was, I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. But uh, I can tell you that what Ethereum thinks is a world computer is not, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. compare. Alexander, I would like to wrap up our amazing conversation and, and bring it back to the title of your second book um, with your co-authors that will be out in, in October, where you talk about the new economy and you focus on, on data. And simply say that, you know, no matter what happens to, to Bitcoin, uh, protocol and the Ethereum protocol and all the protocols that we know today that will evolve uh, probably most <laughs> mathematically they, they will. Can we say uh, that we should acknowledge uh, the role of Bitcoin uh, protocol in shaping up uh, this new economy that is really data centric? and that it will go down in history as a, a huge success, if you want, because it opened up a lot of potential. Do you yes, agree? Completely, completely. Whether or not uh, Bitcoin itself say, stays or uh, you know, goes and all that type of thing, the sheer audacity of a vision um, successful vision, right, uh, is just staggering, and it uh, dire directed us towards uh, a new system. Whether this system really is working at the moment, probably not, because, you know, the other thing which uh, is important to understand about Bitcoin protocol, even though originally it was designed for you and I to exchange message, um, value in kind of direct fashion, you know, vast majority of Bitcoin users have to go through the likes through exchanges like Coinbase and so on, so which defies per the purpose. So I'm sure that something else will emerge, but it is certainly a very important uh, direction, digitization of the entire economy, now casting ability to steer it in the right direction, uh, emergence of um, stable coins, emergence of central bank digital currencies. Like in, in the next 20, 30 years, uh, we will see the world uh, change uh, in this regard beyond recognition. Alexander, on that note, thank you so much. We will share with our listeners all the references that we, we mentioned. And again, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, El Efi. Uh, goodbye. It was a pleasure on my side as well. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on 
Twitter at Irish underscore tech news on Facebook facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News on LinkedIn linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news on Instagram instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE and on TikTok tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News